Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys. Eat the rich. Comedy podcast for the rest of us. I am Kate Willard. This is, uh, yeah. I always forget how to do that, the intro. I don't know why. You know what I've been thinking about this week? Uh, it's RBG. She's back from the dead. It's a Halloween month. Oh my god. Uh, her racism has reemerged like a zombie. <laughs> did you um, see this uh, Katie Couric? Oh, absolutely thing? did I. And I mean, also another excerpt got released from Katie Couric's memoir today where she... Oh, I didn't see that. It's a fun little um, <laughs> Twitter exchange, or no, uh, text exchange that she had with Matt Lauer right after he got booted uh, for being a fucking creep um where she joked matt what did you put in my drink oh my god old white ladies just really do not have good opinions on like uh racial justice or anything related to me too Uh, i feel like every once in a while it's like someone comes back that you like thought wasn't alive anymore like angela lansbury is like man can't flirt you know (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i was like i was thinking about this katie kirk thing because it is not so basically what what Ruth Bader Ginsburg said um, in the uh, Katie Couric she said in the Katie Couric interview like Katie Couric left a lot of stuff in about how uh, you know Ruth Bader Ginsburg thought that the protesters were like stupid and arrogant which is pretty rich from someone who is friends with Scalia uh but she basically said um, in the interview uh, that Colin Kaepernick and other protesters had contempt for the government that made it possible for their parents and grandparents to live a decent life. Mm. Um, she also said some other stuff, but it's like, what did Ruth Bader Ginsburg think that... Uh, was going on with like civil rights I, during I mean, the time. Yes, if you're if you're talking uh, on a pure technicality of a better life, sure. Uh, but even so, like I mean, it's just such a gross uh, inference. Like, oh, shouldn't they be grateful? Oh, yeah, it's very like a, it's very NFL uh, team owner logic, you know. Um, and uh, it, it's kind of weird because Katie Couric like, said she thought that RBG was too old um, to understand the question, which is like kind of funny because she wants like Ruth Bader Ginsburg to like she's be super on the old, Supreme Court, but she wants her to be on the Supreme Court. It's like Katie Couric is like, hey, uh, RBG should just shut up and play. <laughs> hey, um, but I mean, yeah. but also it's like clearly she. I mean, she gave an articulate answer it was a it was a bad answer but she clearly did understand the question i don't know uh i mean uh, but we're bearing the lead of of the big news of today which is that colin powell died oh yeah i have barely had a chance to to look at that um which is what are people saying about it oh you know great guy loved his work uh no i you know i i I mean i think that this is just a feature of my 
the the curation of my timeline, my news feed, um, is that I've I think I've only I've only seen mostly like critical uh, or measured responses to his death, and also um, just demands for when is Henry Kissinger gonna die. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, Kissinger and Cheney are like a hundred and seventy years old between the two of them, uh, and they simply won't die. Too much hate in their hearts. Um, yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, Colin Powell uh, died from uh, from a, a breakthrough COVID case. He was fully vaccinated, but he was immunocompromised because he was being treated for cancer. Uh, truly, you know, a lot of people were dunking on uh, Joy Reid, of course, for, you know, really, uh, she, she was one of the people who I did see uh, kind of like praising him as a good and decent man. And what did she say in her tweet? some tough moments around the wars <laughs> like yeah that's an understatement remember when she had a body language expert come on to discuss bernie sanders um and discuss how his body language was sexist was misogynistic yeah yeah um yeah i mean she's a lot i you know i was thinking about it and I was like, does Colin Powell even crack the top 10 of worst people in the Bush administration? Is And that's not a, ref, a positive reflection on Colin Powell. That's a negative reflection on the Bush administration. That's just kind of the sad state of affairs. Maybe he does just crack the top 10, but there are so many people ahead of him, I think. But 100 also, under 100? Yeah. In the yeah. Bush administration? <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I I have very little to say about the passing of uh, of the man who who sold the Iraq War uh, to Congress when he should not have. I did, you know, there's conflicting. Well, my cat just knocked over something. I'm sorry. Uh, that is it's a cat podcast it's a cat podcast my cat just knocked over something yeah everybody's used to cat our cats intervene i think my cat i i don't know if my cat is uh really sensitive to my criticisms of colin powell uh i don't know if june is secretly like he's a good guy hear him out I'm actually a cat body language expert, <laughs> so I'd have to I'd have to see it in real life. Is her little tail curled over? I don't know. Can I? I just want to return to something like earlier for a second. I think that there's a larger theme to be had here about believing that like anyone who is at like a high level of government is even possibly a good person. Yeah. So. <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg in this interview was in 2012 um, with Emily Bazelon, who does do some good work. She's a journalist. Um, but uh, she was interviewing Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Ruth Bader Ginsburg was asked about the lack of Medicaid for abortions for poor women. And this was her response. She, she said, yes, the ruling about that surprised me um, in the 19." 
1980, the court upheld the Hyde Amendment, which forbids the use of Medicaid for abortions. Okay, good, 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 fine. And then she says, frankly, I had thought that at the time Roe was decided, there was concern about population growth and particularly growth in populations that we don't want too many of. Um, <laughs> so, you know, real kind of questionable uh, okay, uh, eugenics yeah. statement. And e- so you, eugenicist queen, RBG. Yeah, so, you know, what I mean, like, if you're a journalist in this situation and RBG says that to you, the responsible thing is to ask um, a follow-up, a follow-up question. question. Yeah, yeah, what do you mean? Which populations would we not want too many of, Ruth? But I think Emily Bazelon, in that case, was really worried about, like, you know, the political implications of, uh, like, kind of you know, putting it out there that one of the people very responsible for maintaining abortion rights in the United States questionably had like eugenics type motivations for it. And Mm so she was kind of covering it for political reasons, which is kind of similar to what Couric did a little bit. And, you know, we have like these people, uh, cleaning up RBG during her lifetime or, um, you know, even her, her legacy to some extent now. Um, and you know, it's just, there's a lot of broad distrust of media and I don't, I don't think this stuff helps whatsoever. I think that we do have to be at a point in a society where we can like reckon with the fact that, you know, some of these people that are making decisions that affect the civil rights of millions of people, for example, do legitimately think some super bad stuff. And we can't, you know, you can't just be like, oh, we'll just hide their bigoted opinions uh, where no one will see them in the law, you know? Um, And, you know, it's, it's kind of a, uh, you know, it's kind of a similar thing with Colin Powell. I think he was, you know, uh, seen as like one of the more kind of reasonable people in the Bush mm-hmm. administration because he was not Dick Cheney, you know, or um, like Donald Rumsfeld, or yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's like, but I th- I think the people want to hold on to the idea that there's like some some of these folks are like good and moral and stuff, but I mean, it's uh it it takes a lot of bending and twisting yeah, of and their I legacies th- to do that. I mean. And I do, it's, it's tricky. Uh, you know, I, do I think Colin Powell is a war criminal? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but do I think basically every secretary of state is a war criminal? Yes. Um, I think it's almost impossible to take that position and not end up with blood on your hands. But Colin Powell, of course, is especially culpable in his role in the Iraq war. Um, and he was, you know, people really trusted him, uh, because, and and a lot of people, you know, it's, it's hard when, you know, the first black secretary of state, first black chairman of the joint chiefs is so instrumental in these really deadly wars like just unimaginable body counts uh so that and we don't even know the body counts from the iraq war iraq, and, yeah, and we, we never don't. will we never you will know? 
Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, um, that sucks. It's like, it's like when it sucks when the first woman to do something is a woman who has terrible opinions. <laughs> yeah. Or like the first, you know, first huge, uh, transgender celebrity is is caitlin jenner Jenner. yeah yeah i mean it's yeah there's there's definitely the impulse to make heroes but it's often pretty complicated yeah and i do i think it's i don't know i need to go back and read more about the bush administration because i was um I was simply so young when it was, <laughs> when it was okay happening. okay well uh <laughs> i am not really here for this um no but i just i do think it's interesting that i i, I think that the bush administration kind of hid behind condoleezza rice and um colin powell because their appointments were historic and they were they are both you know were both very intelligent capable people but just of terrible things <laughs> yeah, yeah um, there's a real downside to having capable people um, yeah. I mean, at the helm like, of the national security state like Condoleezza Rice is a she was like a she is a, ge- a genius she's like she like graduated high school and she was 16 she was like a concert pianist she was like just so exemplary in every way and what she chose to do with that was uh, be in one of the most destructive internationally destructive administrations in modern america I feel like we are, well, I guess this is the early 2000s, but I feel like we're at a point in history where, like, you know, we're pretty regularly looking back on the 90s and the early 2000s and just kind of just really realizing, like, how deeply fucked up the media coverage was around that time. Like, everything from the Iraq War, obviously, kind of most devastating example, but even just shit like tanya harding i was listening to a podcast the other day oh, yeah. about tanya harding and I mean, everyone's seen that movie i tanya it's i mean it's an amazing movie but i was thinking about it and like do you know that her husband like i mean you know this is at least tanya harding is saying like he he legitimately tried to kill her oh yeah um, he like he beat the shit out of her yeah and the olympic committee or the fed the the figure skating organization the head of it like they they actually made her get back together with him in order to compete um and i mean it's just kind of crazy like how fucked up like stuff i mean there's there's still like a a, i mean obviously there's still like a ton of extremely fucked up media coverage but i will say that like one thing i feel like sort of vaguely optimistic about is that we are you know reevaluating um a lot of these these major stories from from the 90s and from the early 2000s and, and there's not like i mean there's still like a lot of manufactured consent but but nowhere near like the type of stuff that we saw like after the iraq war you know or in the lead up to the iraq war i guess you know certainly certainly and i think um can can i just say something petty yeah you know who i don't want to hear about anymore who who i think has 
really wrung every last drop out of uh, this kind of retrospective is fucking Monica Lewinsky. I knew you were going to say her. I just don't care anymore. I'm sorry. Like, yes, I. it's terrible what happened to her. Absolutely. But she has she's made an entire career out of just retreading this, uh, you know, what happened to her, which sure is her right. But it's like she's a very rich woman now. She gives she's on like the TED talk circuit talk. She just I I'm tired of I don't want to talk about that anymore. I don't want li- to I don't want to hear about it anymore. Yeah. I like it's terrible. I fucking hate you know the Clintons are a, a slimy group of people. Absolutely, they like what and what the media did to her was terrible. But how many fucking miniseries and movies do we need about the Clinton Lewinsky scandal? This is I, like I'm. I don't know. Like I, I just I. I'm tired. I'm tired. No, I understand. I mean, you like, know. yeah, I, you know, I think it's great that we are, are having a, a kind of second, uh, second wind examination of, of a lot of the fucked up things that happened in the nineties and the two thousands. Uh, Tanya Harding is actually, that's like, that to me is a really compelling one. That's, I mean, like, <sighs> Tanya Harding, if she were around today, if she, if she were co- coming up today, it would be a totally different story. She would have like people would have like just like such a talented skater. People would have like GoFundMe's for her and stuff like that. Like people were so openly antagonistic to her in the IOC and the. Uh, the skating federation because she was poor she grew up poor yeah like i don't know look i know a lot of late night hosts made jokes about monica it was again terrible what happened to her but how many more times do we have to fucking i just i you would from the way that she talks about it you would think that she is like I, I I don't know. I'm I'm being a bitch, but like I I'm and I again the Clintons are despicable. The media yeah, I mean, treated I think her the in a terrible way. I I agree. I mean, it's like I, I agree in the sense that like I don't know if Monica Lewinsky like I mean at, at least until sort of recently I I don't you know she had a lot she had a hard time getting a job for a long time, but I definitely what I think is like the emotional core of what you're saying. I would guess is uh, let none of us be defined by the worst guy we ever blew. And I feel strongly <laughs> about that as well. You know, I mean, look, yeah. it's true. And, you know, it's not unrelated to the Tanya Harding controversy. <laughs> I, you know, I guess I'm just like, I, it's maybe, maybe it's like, it's again, it's a class thing. Like she, like grew up she's like she like grew up rich and yeah she had this terrible thing happen to her and now she is super rich from this terrible thing happening to her like i don't know i i just like for how many more decades do we have to be made to feel bad for monica Lewinsky? i just i feel i sound horrible i'm sorry but i like this, I'm tired of 
how many again another minute mini series or like limited series are you kidding me oh <sighs> i don't know maybe it, i just she's so rich now <laughs> <laughs> yeah I it's like I, she's so rich i don't like and good for her good for her for making a dollar out of 15 cents but yeah i just I'm, know that I mean, I think every woman should have the right to have any man that she ever sucked off completely stricken from the public record. <laughs> and I want that for Monica, too. I want it for myself. Look, and I want I, it for... I'm not saying, look, I'm certainly not saying this as any kind of defense of Bill. You can. No, he sucks. He's send, so gross. No, no Bill, one would think that you're Bill defending straight to hell. Never let Bill in within a mile of uh, of anyone ever again i don't give a shit about bill bill sucks i just oh my god i just I'm... i think that you know but i think that part of the reason that the part of the reason that you know bill clinton's predatory behavior needed to be like you know sort of like we needed to have this like second public reckoning about it because, you know, like even at the time, feminists, like prominent feminists like Gloria Steinem were, you know, as has been mentioned, like defending mm -hmm. Bill Clinton. And I mean, it's kind of like what we were talking about a few minutes ago where, you know, like people will defend like horrible things <laughs> if it is uh, like seen in some way to be, you know, like to their political advantage, you know, Joy Reid will be straight up anti-Semitic about Bernie Sanders. Katie mm -hmm. Couric will uh, trim RBG's pretty explicit racism, you know, Colin Powell, we got to be like, yeah, you know, like we don't want to like shit on all conservatives like uh, George W. Bush, like he was bad, but at least there were some people, you know, it's like, uh, I think that's why we have to have these public debates. But, you know, it would certainly be great if like if we could one day live in a world where like the media coverage could kind of get it right the first time. Although I doubt that there will ever be an incentive for that under capitalism. You know, mm -hmm. I think well, I, I think the thing that really um, uh, gets my goat about Monica is that it feels very like we need more female CEOs energy. Yeah. Like Monica Lewinsky is a very rich white woman. I just like how there are so many other fish to fry. There's so many, <laughs> like, I just, I, I don't know. Yeah. Why don't we have a, uh, a limited series about the fucking crime bill? Yeah. No, I, I, I I'm a hundred percent with you there. Like, um, I, I just, I, I, I think that that, that's why it really gets me like, uh, and also she, she is, you know, she certainly has gotten so much more attention than like Juanita Broderick or Jennifer Flowers, Paula Jones, even Paula Jones. I, I don't know. I'm going to get canceled for dragging Monica Lewinsky, but I don't care. Uh, she's rich. She's so rich. She's richer than I will ever be. I don't care. She are we like, like um are we like one of those like uh, edgy 
I think we are. Now. Okay. Yeah. You guys like love Red Scare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna do the vocal fry. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, um, Monica Lewinsky is uh, and is uh, just a uh, trad neolib. Um, I am. Yeah, we do the vocal fry too. It always happens. Our listeners have commented. I'm um. I'm really excited about our interview this week, uh, which is with Joe Firestone, who is just like one of my absolute fave oh comedians. God. Just a treat. I love her so much. I wish I could have yeah. been there for this interview. I love Joe. I love Joe. Yeah. And she just, we talked about how um, she taught a, a stand up comedy class to seniors during the pandemic and then made a special for Peacock about it, which is out now. And Joe is just really sweet. And this is just like a, a super sweet, uh, resuming piece of art. So I think you will enjoy it. And please subscribe to our Patreon friends. Please rate and review us rate on and iTunes. Us. Uh, we could, uh, you know, we, we can use the help, um, to keep this podcast going. We don't have any other source of funding other than our listener support. So if you, In- and everybody's five gonna, bucks a month and everybody's yeah. gonna jump ship now that they know that i think monica Lewinsky is annoying <laughs> canceled julia claire latest victim of cancel culture oh well here uh, g- give me 10 million dollars netflix i'm ready to do a special where i talk about how you can't say anything anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man uh, I'm so blackpilled on that stuff. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> but like, I mean, I'm not going to go off about this for a long time. But I will say that like when people were like, are you, you know, don't you think that it's like, you know, these uh like these like right wing comedians are like really bad and i'm like yes but i also know like a lot of the left ones personally and they're also pretty bad oh, <laughs> like, we yeah. just live in a world of pretty bad people pretty bad know? people um maybe it's right, just well, a comedian's thing it's it, yeah it's a knows no political stripe and politicians i don't know i bet there's a lot of other bad professions too but enjoy this interview and we'll see you later this week for our patreon edition bye all right i am so excited this week to get to sit down with one of my favorite comedians i've just been a fan of hers for so long um and i got to watch her comedy special last night it's called good timing welcome to the show joe firestone thank you kate thank you okay so this special um might be the most uh, adorable piece of art i've ever seen um it's really really cute um you know i could i could say more about it but i'm gonna let you tell our listeners what it is okay great well it's so i've been teaching this comedy class to seniors and uh it's been over zoom for the whole pandemic and then once things opened up we were like maybe we can meet in person so 16 of us met in person mostly for the first time and we put on a show four days later that is so funny that's like um so did you did you and did they know at the time of shooting this that it was gonna end up being a special of some kind or is this like it it, was this after the fact no we definitely shot it having the idea that it was a special because otherwise i think with covid it's just like we were going to try to do it ourselves but i think with covid it really does help if you're going to have like a cast of 17 to definitely have some insurance and some some of that kind of whole thing 
What made you want to start teaching a class to seniors in the first place? I think I was getting, I've, I've taught classes before um, at like centers and stuff. And um, I was getting kind of disillusioned with comedy. Like I was feeling a little bit like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't even like this hustle and it doesn't feel like good. And the shows don't feel good. And I just feel like, like a loser all the time. And then I think it was like, I wanted to like be around people that, really liked comedy for comedy and um just wanted to laugh and that was uh, this group of people oh my gosh and like how did you end up connecting like with this particular group of seniors so i um moved to a new neighborhood in this art center that's like they've got like a music school and they got um like free lunches for seniors and they've got like nursery school and so like this that I walked by and then I was like oh maybe they would have programming for arts programming for seniors and they did and they were like yeah we'll try a comedy class it's called Greenwich House it's like the organization here in the Manhattan I yeah I was really struck because like I think one thing that felt really good to me about watching this special and I imagine other people got the same thing out of it is like you know, we have this conception of like getting older um, in our society, at least that like, you know, you're done learning new stuff and you're done having adventures and it's time to just like, you know, settle down. Mm -hmm. And I think that I and I, and I bet others enjoyed like, you know, <laughs> seeing like, no, of course, even if you're older, you still get to like, try new stuff and learn and, you know, do things that you never even saw yourself doing. Right. And I think also it's kind of like there's a like one conception about like who old people are. And it's like, hopefully, if you watch the special, you see that there's like at least 16 different types of people here. And like, it's kind of nice to like, I don't know, there's like a lot of different personalities and a lot of different senses of humor. And that's kind of fun to see, I think. Yeah, I, there was one woman, I forgot her name, but she was like really... She's really dark. Uh, she was kind of like the Ali Sheedy of the group. <laughs> and, and yes, that's was, Nikki. Uh huh. Yeah, and then there was another dude who he was. Uh, he did the comedy special like wearing a speedo. Yes, um, that's Bill. Mm -hmm. Oh man, you know it was, it was a really really fun group of people. Um, it is a fun group. Do you feel like you? changed the way that you saw comedy in any way as the process through the process of doing this yeah like i started to enjoy it more like i started to enjoy like uh, this sounds really stupid but like i started i thought it was funny again and i thought it was like and like they're really proactive and like uh productive and like they come up with a lot of jokes and a lot of ideas and they like write a lot and so like in that way just in that way it's like oh yeah i should write as much as they do and then i don't but they all it's also like uh yeah just kind of like they enjoy it so much and it makes me want to enjoy it more yeah that's awesome um how do you teach someone to do stand-up comedy in four days no matter <laughs> what their age is well the good thing was i didn't really have just four days because i've been like it's been like almost two years but i still don't know if i really teach stand-up so much as i much as i just like try to get them to like think on their feet and like think just like kind of be in touch with what they really think about and what they really feel about those things. And 
kind of coming up with a way that's like a light way of um, producing that information. And that's kind of, that's, it's like, not like, okay, start with an opening joke that's has mass appeal and then end with a joke that's like a real, like, it's not really that technical of a class. That makes sense. I, one of the things that you told them to do um, in the, in the special that I saw was you're like, write down the five things or maybe I don't remember the exact number, but like five things that you think about every single day. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I mean, I haven't even thought about comedy in, like that in a while. Cause there's definitely stuff that I think about every day that I would never be like, Oh, I'm going to write jokes about this, but maybe I will. And I'm going to have a new, uh, cat based hour for you soon. <laughs> I would listen. I would watch. I would listen. I have um, a really loud dog right now. You're being really bad. It's Stop. totally fine. This is a pet podcast. Um, okay. Yeah. No, I talk about my cats so much that people have recently been being like, have you ever thought about doing stand-up comedy about your cats? But I'm just <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm talking about these guys too much. But to be fair to me, they are super naughty and super cute. Um, <laughs> so do you feel like, you know, was this like uh, an emotionally helpful project to you during the pandemic? Uh, during yeah, like Mondays were definitely it was like it was really exciting to look forward to Mondays and like that that was great. The process itself for making this show was like making any kind of piece um, is is challenging for sure, and like trying to get what you know what you think should be the idea across is really hard and you kind of have to keep convincing people that like what you hope for this thing is what it should be and all that kind of stuff but before it got all like you know before it got all the lights camera action it it was very it's it's still very rewarding and it was like very rewarding to make it but it was definitely challenging and for who you know like any any kind of project is challenging once you get a lot of people involved and yeah that makes sense i was thinking about like the the seniors in your special and um one thing that kind of came to mind is that you know covid was probably pretty isolating time for everyone except for those who are flouting the restrictions entirely but my guess is that it was probably even more isolating for a lot of these folks that you were working with because covid is just like so much higher risk um to to these folks um was that something that came up in the class uh, yeah, we well, I think a lot. There were a few people in the class that really did not leave their house for a very long time. And, um, you know, we tried to make jokes. I think like we tried to like kind of poke at the like surrounding circumstances, like the quarantine and the the kind of insert uncertainty, less like the disease and like trying to figure out a way to find lightness in it. But yeah, and I think that it I think there was like this kind of the show felt so exciting, I think, because it was like this thing where it's like everybody, everybody is finally in person and like there's so many energies to bounce off of because on Zoom, yeah, there's energies to bounce off of, but it doesn't feel as like visceral. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, in terms of like actually 
doing the the show like the final show at the end um how nervous were people to do stand up they were so nervous they were i uh, really really nervous and and i didn't realize how nervous people would be i thought it was going to be kind of low key but yeah no it's it's definitely nerve-wracking and the um i definitely i i bribed one participant with a few drinks if she got through the show and she did not let me live that bribe down i had to go buy her a few <laughs> drinks that's so cute and awesome i one thing i really loved one detail is that uh the, i guess peacock or whoever got got these folks a party bus uh for transportation to their <laughs> show and you said that it was like they were gonna party on the party bus afterwards did did that happen was <laughs> no. there a big party no the party bus went away but uh we definitely like we we had like a hard out while shooting because um one woman had to go to temple at <laughs> six. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so we were like yeah okay we'll be done by six then you'll be you'll be at temple by six so it's like kind of like that kind of thing you're like you know, and it's not like they're, uh, you know, I think some of them are actors and some of them are first time actors for some comedians. And like, it's kind of like it made us think about like, oh, how, you know, if they have stuff to do. Yeah. Like, let's work around it. Let's work around. And it's, you know, we tried to make it as positive an experience as possible. And yeah, that was kind of the goal. I'm sorry I made a face when you were talking. My cat bit me really hard. Oh, no. I think she was mad that I was paying attention to something besides Of course, her. of course. <laughs> so how did this, like, how did this experience that you've had over the past couple of years, like, change anything about, like, the way that you think about getting older, being an old person one day? Um, yeah, I mean, it just seems like when you get to be that age, like, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, like, you just have so much life experience and so many stories. And like, I think that like the thing that seems really hard is like this, this idea that a lot, like that some, there might be a chance that you are alone. Cause like, there's like either your like husband or wife passes away or like your, you know, you, I think it's like your children move away. And it's like this thing where it's like, that part seems really challenging and really challenging to have like a sense of humor and a sense of like uh, positivity and excitement to live. And I think that that is um, something I really admire about a lot of the people in the class that they're like still going and still wanting to learn and stuff and get be goofy, even though such they've experienced such hardships. Did you feel like you were able to like, relate well to the people in the class like despite the fact that like obviously there's a huge age difference between you yeah no i did i do relate to them a lot i think that like also i think that the humor part of it kind of helps right because it's like if you were just in a room and you were just like waiting for a bus everybody you might not necessarily know how to relate but i think it's like some of them like some when somebody tells a joke and it's really funny you connect with them, right? So it's like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a bridge. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so do you think that any of these people will continue doing stand up comedy? I do think so. I think <laughs> some of them have definitely gotten the bug. They're definitely like, excited for more. Like one woman just emailed me. They're like, 
she's like, could you think you could rent a trailer? We could do this all over the country. I was like, no, but I do think that, like there is there is a hunger for it now because I think it is. It's so fun. It's so fun to succeed in comedy. It's so fun to do a good set to get laughs, whatever. And so, yeah, I think that like definitely it would be great to do something again and keep doing this stuff. But and I think that like definitely some people are like doing a lot more shows now, which is really fun. And yeah. So like going to open mics and stuff and. Well, one of the people in the in the class is like um, is has to do a lot of bringer shows and his goal is to no longer have to do bringer shows. So hopefully that goal will be achieved. I hate bringer shows. So, yeah, that's they're awesome. Awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in terms of like watching the the final product of this, like, w- was there anything that surprised you about like how it all came together, like what was actually like to, to watch it? Well, we, uh, the director and director, Julie Miller and me and uh, Danny Sharer, the editor, we all pretty much worked together for the edit. So. Oh, it nice. was That's awesome. A huge surprise. Yeah. Um, so it like in terms of like um, what you were up to these days with comedy, like, are you, are you touring again or are you what are you up to? No, I'm not, I'm doing, you know, like I do a, a weekly show, Butterboy at Monday. I know. I love it. I come a lot. Oh, yeah. I live crazy. up the street. Yeah. yeah. You should come do it again. The, I would uh, love to. The, um, but yeah, I'm not, like I'm not doing a whole lot of shows besides that. Like every probably one other one a week, maybe um, not cr- not crazy, but sometimes I'll like have a big week, but. I'm not really hustling as much as I used to, but I, I think it's because I I get kind of scared still for I'm still a little bit nervous to go on stage and be in a room with people without a mask. It's like, oh, every yeah, time I kind of have to pump myself up. But you, I, I think you've been touring, right? I have been touring. I've been like I've been I've been to like a, a few states. I, I couldn't actually I did wait to tour until yeah. things were all, you know, everyone vaccinated and stuff or at least anyone who wanted to be, but um, I, yeah, I couldn't wait to get out of the house. I really had to get away from these um, bad kittens that were always biting me. <laughs> I needed a little space. So, mm-hmm. um, so um, in terms of like the process of like making this special, um, I mean, it's, it's obviously like a really unconventional comedy special. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it's, it's like, it's kind of part comedy special, part documentary. Like I haven't really seen something in this format before. Are there other like comedy experiments that you're, you've been wanting to try? Um, No, I mean, I think that like, yeah, it's definitely in the same family as like, um, I get, yeah, it's like kind of in the family of like encore in the way that it like leads up to a show, but really like with these interviews and like with the class, like we were just trying to showcase like, like 16 different people, how they're funny, a little bit of where they came from and like give everybody like a really good, tasty treat of of each person and like try to give everybody a moment of spotlight um so that's kind of how the format came came to be it was just like 
oh, how do we, how do we like spotlight Rebecca here? Or how do we like get Tom here? Yeah. That kind of the, thing. The knee situation. Oh my gosh. So I, well, actually I don't want to spoil it, but there was a, a thing that involved a knee uh-huh. yes. <laughs> and someone was doing, doing prop comedy on stage. Yes. <laughs> that was pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, yes. So, there's yes. A very special, very special set. Uh, what's in the name good timing for you? Like, why did you go with that one? Well, I think it's like this idea that, um, you know, you need good timing to tell a joke, but also it was good timing because we got to, we all got together during this really horrible moment in history and um, we made each other laugh. And so, yeah, that's kind of where it comes from. I was actually thinking like that it had something to do with like, you know, getting older, but it's still like, no, that could be it too. Yeah. Good timing to live your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you were kind of talking about how this reinvigorated you artistically. This is normally like a podcast where we talk about political stuff, but sometimes mm-hmm. we just talk about fun art stuff and comedy stuff. I, we like both, but mm-hmm. you know, what I was thinking about when you were saying that is like, like a, a big thing, like in, you know, in stand up or in comedy, like, you know, once you've like professionalized it, like, you know, it's all, it all exists like in the context of like capitalism of like, mm-hmm. how am I going to get money? How's my career going? Like, mm-hmm. uh, like I love these people, but I also hope that I get the job mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of them so that I can pay my bills mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, to me, I was wondering if like, part of the reason that this felt invigorating is because like what you guys were doing in this special, it was like totally sort of outside of like the capitalist grind mindset. I don't get the impression that any of these folks were like, I want to be famous. Like it truly was a, a love of the game type situation. Yeah. And I mean, I think that maybe like, I'm sure some of them do want to be famous, but it didn't seem like that was like, I don't think that this class is structured in a way that is like, uh, here are the steps to becoming famous. So yeah, I think that there like, are comedy classes like that, and they yeah, I'm very sure exploitative. <laughs> but it's like I think that I was trying to kind of make it so that people feel good about themselves and people feel good about their thoughts and their, you know, the way they phrase things and and like communicate narratives and stuff. And so I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just like, that's not really, like you said, it's not really a priority in the comedy business. You're really just trying to like hustle for money, money, money. And, and until you're like, and it's always going to be a hustle until you're like Jerry Seinfeld. And it's really, until you make money for your whole life millions of dollars and then you get older and then you make a special about how you can't say anything anymore uh that's the i think that's the trajectory right (laughs) you you find some group of people that are having a hard time in some way and then you uh talk about why people get mad at you if you say mean stuff about it (laughs) Um, so do you think any of these folks will end up like staying buddies with each other? Will they hang out? Yeah, there's a few of them that are buddies. Um, like 
Helene is really good buddies with Barbara and Ziggy. And these are, I mean, if you haven't seen it, it's maybe it's not very helpful to just list their first names, but there's, and Tom, there's those four are all good friends. And I know that, um, yeah, I know that like Bill really likes Bibby and tequila and it's like tequila talks to Bibby and then like, Teresa talks to Helen and like basically what happens is if somebody has a problem, I get three emails about it, like one from the person, one from the person's friend and one from the person's friend who told me about the person's friend. So it's like they're all very connected. They all talk to each other a lot, which is great. And it's also very like we had um, we had a like a little cast party and outside and the like one person didn't get the, the invite. And so then I heard from their friend, they're like, you, you can't have a cast party and not invite one cast member. And then someone else was like, did you hear that you didn't invite one cast member? And then I like was like to the cast, where I was like, you're definitely invited. And then she was like, oh, yeah, I am invited. I saw the email. And I'm like, <laughs> but it's also like, wait, so she she did get the email. Yeah, she just couldn't find the email. So it's like that kind of thing where it's like, <laughs> yes, this is a, all of like a hullabaloo, but also it's very sweet that everybody's like very invested in each other and like very like just connected. And, you know, if if that means that I get three emails, great. And I'm sure also like she's getting twice as many emails because everyone's like did you get the invite yet i want you to be there that kind of thing this is that's so funny man that's so (laughs) the emails isn't working yeah i don't know i was talking today with someone about margaret atwood Mm -hmm. um margaret atwood for those who you know are not like terminally online um you know, she's out here posting some stuff about like, you know, how you can't say woman anymore, like basically being mad that like language around reproductive rights is becoming more inclusive. And the friend that I was talking to about this, you know, was saying like, well, you know, she's she's older and like you know, stuff evolves and like, you know, like she's just old. But I, I actually think that... You know, I I, kind of think that maybe this culture is like a little bit too sort of patronizing to old people about like, I mean, obviously there's like people can have issues with aging, like dementia and stuff like that. But, you know, for people who are not like currently dealing with that, I personally think that like an older person can be like as open minded and as aware and just, you know, kind of be have be be willing to to change um as things go on like you know based on teaching this class like you feel do you feel like that is that's true like it it seems like it based on your documentary yeah no i mean i think that the group of people i don't i don't know for all people but for this group of people it's like it does seem like a pretty fairly like you know, that like they really are clued into like New York politics. Like that's like a if I bring them a joke prompt that's about New York City pro- politics or New York City, like infrastructure, like they're they're on fire for minute, like many, many minutes. Like they have stuff to say. And like, I think that it just kind of depends on like how. I think that like if you're reading the paper and you're like kind and you're watching the news and you're 
you want to be informed. I think that people, especially in New York, it seems like a lot of these people in this group are like very tuned into like, you know, just kind of being, being aware that like of inequalities and being aware of like privilege and yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's cool to see. Yeah. That's awesome. What do they think about Andrew Cuomo? What's the dirt? <laughs> no, they were all, they were roasting Andrew Cuomo. They were really, roasting. Uh-huh. Yeah, a lot of roasts on Andrew Cuomo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> any, any particular good, good Cuomo roast come to mind? Um, shoot, there's been some good ones. They also really roast on de Blasio. Um, they, I don't know if there's anyone that they like in politics, <laughs> to be honest, um, as a group. But it is interesting because like when Trump was in office, like, Everybody, everybody was hated Trump so much, except for one woman who didn't hate Trump, like liked Trump a lot. And like the Zoom would just boo her. It was terrible. I mean, it was terrible just to see this. Like I was like, you don't like she, I felt bad because I was like, you know, like she's obviously, um, you know, that's not great. But also I did feel she stopped going to the class and I'm, I wonder if that might've been part, part of the reason why. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. I could also see like, maybe by the time you're like that age, you're like, I'm not holding my opinions back. <laughs> no. Like if I, I don't like something, I'm straight up booing it. Yeah. My grandma. No, but- oh, go, yes, ahead. go ahead. Please go ahead. I was just going to say my grandma lived till she was 104. She's not alive Whoa. anymore, but uh, 104 is like a, a pretty long life. I feel mm-hmm. like, got got a good amount of grandma time and like we were dealing with this thing with her by you know the end of her life like in her 90s like we'd go out to dinner and she was like straight up saying super inappropriate stuff like there would be like a server that would come over and he would be cute or whatever and she'd be like hey you got some really nice buns and i'm just like oh my god i'm so <laughs> embarrassed but she was like literally in her 90s <laughs> it was definitely this like yeah what are you gonna do to me vibe <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean i think like my grandma's in her 90s and like she reads the new york times every day and she's like got a lot of opinions about everything about everything and it's like I was just listening to some of her voicemails that she left me like and like just kind of giving me commentary on what's going on in the world. And like she's very left and it's it's just kind of cool. It's and I she's her opinions have evolved in the like in the last 10 years and she's become like way more left. And it's it's cool to see. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So. uh where can our listeners like find you, your stuff, your special? How can people check you out? Well, Peacock is free. You can watch it for free. You just have to watch ads. But um, if you don't watch, if you have the premium account, you just have like a black space where there would be an ad. So it's pretty much the same experience, but it's you can join for free. You just have to give your email and like date of birth, I think. But then you can you can sign up for account and you can watch all the real housewives you want. Halloween kills all the podcast offer. Mm-hmm. And are, you're on, you're not on Twitter, but you are on Instagram, right? Yes. Yes. So you could follow me at yo-yo firestone. 
Awesome. Okay. Well, I do have to ask you one more question yes. because it's really pertinent to the podcast. Okay. How did you get yourself off Twitter? <laughs> oh, no. I, um, you know, I, it, I think it was a breaking point and I was like, I'm not getting anything out of this and um, it's making me really sad. And so I got off of it, but sometimes I'll read it and I'll be like, now Twitter won't let you read it if you don't have it. Like they're just yeah. like, you should join. And so I'm like, OK, I think this is actually pretty bad. But um, I have some I have some people, some uh, people that inform uh, some informers that tell me some what's informants. going on. I think that's the truth. That's the secret. If you're going to get off social media, you got to have some informants. Yeah. OK. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not going to get off social media, but I, I wish that I could. You're not um, going to get off Twitter. You do you love it? No, I hate it. It's really <laughs> upsetting. No, like I, I truly, I hate Twitter, but I just feel like I, I'm like, uh, how will I know what's going on? It's, yes. it's FOMO basically, but it's not yes. fear of missing out. It's like fear of not knowing what's going on or something. Yes. I don't know. Yes. I but completely it, understand that. But so you found like, so post your Twitter departure, noticeable increase in mood health all that kind of stuff <laughs> i don't know about that but i do think that it was uh not a good use of my time and even instagram is not a good use of my time but i'm like i don't really understand it so it, it doesn't take up as much of my time because i don't really understand how to use it like i um i was looking at the, the the rocks personal chef's instagram the other day and i was like i don't even know how i got here but i don't know how to get out of it and like i'm just on her page from now on I want actually like a two, I want like a second part of this documentary where it is the seniors in your class explaining Instagram to you. <laughs> well, this uh, Instagram is really not popular among this crowd. Facebook is huge. A lot of them are on Facebook, active Facebook users. That's awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. I guess it's for in this case, it's awesome. In the case of like people becoming super right. into QAnon, not awesome. Right. Well, Joe, this has been such a pleasure <laughs> and I really appreciate your taking the time to talk. It's been a blast. And Thanks for everyone having me. watch this special. It is one of the few like genuinely like happy pieces of art that doesn't feel I think like uh too like treacly or something. It's like heartwarming, but in, in a genuine way, which Thanks, I love. Kate. Oh man, thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Reply Guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Reply Guys, where we have a catalog of over 25 bonus interviews with renowned writers, journalists, and comedians, with an additional episode uploaded each week. The show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at O Julia Tweets, O-H Julia Tweets. And Twitter is where you can, of course, also find our reply guys. They are always with us. Bernie, take us out. Walking that ribbon of highway, I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me that golden valley 
This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. Your this land, land is mine.